In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is risen. We are first going to listen to the uh, festal papal message from His Holiness Pope Tawadros, um, and then we will hear uh, a message from His Grace Bishop Yusuf. ابن الروح القدس الاله الواحد امين اخرسوس انستي اليسوس انستي اهنئكم ايها الاحباء بعيد القيام المجيد بحسب التقويم الشرقي اهنئ كل شعبنا القبطي في الابرشيات والكنائس القبطيه عبر قارات العالم الخمسه اهنئ الاباء المطارنه والاباء الاساقفه والاباء الكهنه والشمامسه وكل الإكليروس وكل الشعب الشباب والأطفال والأراخنة وكل الأسر القبطية أهنئكم جميعا بهذا العيد الذي هو فرحنا الأول حيث إيماننا وحيث عقيدتنا في القيامة هي أساس المسيحية عندما ننظر إلى أحداث القيامة ننظر إلى هذه الأيام الثلاثة الجمعة والسبت والأحد جمعة الصليب أو الصلبوت أو الجمعة الكبيرة ثم سبت الفرح وهو سبت الانتظار ثم أحد القيامة وهو أحد الانتصار وعندما نراجع ما كتبه القديس بولس الرسول عندما تحدث عن المسيحية حيث كان فيلسوفا ولاهوتيا عظيما وكتب في رسائله الأربعتاشر كتب كثيرا عن المسيح وعن الكنيسة وعن القيامة وعن الحياة الأبدية ولكنه في رسالة كورنثوس الأولى في الإصحاح 13 كتب أنشودة خالدة عن المحبة كتبها في ثلاثة عشر آية وفي الآية الأخيرة ذكر أن الإيمان والرجاء والمحبة ولكن أعظمهن المحبة هذه الثلاثة هي الثلاثة أيام التي غيرت تاريخ العالم وغيرت حياة الإنسان اليوم الأول هو يوم الصليب يوم الجمعة وهو الذي يكن عنه في رسائل بولس الرسول بالإيمان الإيمان فيوم الصليب هو يوم الإيمان ربنا يسوع المسيح صلب على الصليب ونصلي ونقول يا من في اليوم السادس وفي وقت الساعة السادسة سمرت على الصليب من أجلنا جميعا هذا الصليب الذي سمر عليه السيد المسيح كان إعلانا وكما يقول في سفر نشيد الأناشيد يقول حبيبي أبيض وأحمر معلم بين ربوة معلم يعني علم وأبيض وأحمر رمز للنقاء ورمز لدم الفداء وحبيبي معلم بين ربوة هو علم ربوة عدد كبير عشرة ألاف 
ومقصود به كمان المكان المرتفع فلما بيقول معلم بين ربوة هكذا كان الصليب علم مرتفع كما صلب السيد المسيح على الصليب في مكان الجلجسة يوم الصليب هو يوم الإيمان وقاعدة الصليب هي إيماننا وزي ما بيعبر القديس بولس الرسول مع المسيح صلبت فأحيا لا أنا بل المسيح يحيا فيا يوم الجمعة هو الذي وضع أساسنا في المسيح فاديا ومخلصا لكل إنسان وعندما تقف أمام الصليب وتتذكر معي قائد المئة عندما طعن المسيح في جنبه بالحربة فخرج الدم والماء وقال هذه المقولة الشهيرة حقا كان هذا ابن الله وكان اعتراف قائد المئة اعترافا من العالم الوثني لأنه كان رومانيا بالعالم الوثني بما صنعه المسيح من أجل كل إنسان إيمانك هو أساس الصليب الذي صلب عليه السيد المسيح وحول الصليب من العار والذل وكان رمزا للموت وأداه أيضا للموت حوله السيد المسيح إلى أداة مجد وفخار نفتخر به كله هذا هو يوم جمعة الصلبوت يوم الإيمان ثم يوم السبت وهو سبت الفرح نسميه ونسميه أيضا سبت الانتظار أو سبت الرجاء وهو التعبير الذي استخدمه القديس بولس الرسول أنه يوم للرجاء كان المسيح الذي صلب ومات على الصليب ودفن في القبر وكان التلاميذ وكان المحبين على رجاء ينتظرون هذه القيامة كما عبر عليها السيد المسيح في أحاديثه الأخيرة مع التلاميذ كان يوم رجاء كان مشحونا بالأمل ولكن في نفس الوقت كان مشحون بالخوف وبالقلق وبالصبر وكان هناك نوع من الرعب دب في نفوس التلاميذ ودب في نفوس المحبين لقد دفن في القبر فين هو دلوقتي فكان سبت الرجاء وهو اليوم الذي نسهر فيه ونقرأ سفر الرؤية في ليلة أبو غلمسيس ونقرأ الانتظار للخروج من الظلمة إلى النهار ومن العالم إلى الأبدية كان هذا يوم الرجاء ثم جاء فجر الأحد وفجر الأحد هو يوم القيامة ويوم القيامة هو يوم المحب أطالع معك ما قاله القديس بولس الرسول الإيمان والرجاء والمحبة ولكن أعظمهن المحبة فكانت قيامة السيد المسيح حبا ومحبة في كل أحد وهو القديس بولس الرسول الذي وقف بكل قوة ويقول لا أعرفه وقوة قيامته وشركة آلامه متشبها بموته هذا الاختبار الشخصي للقيامة 
أنها كانت حبا في كل إنسان فالله لم يترك النفوس تعيش في القلق أو الحزن أو الألم لم يترك النفوس في هذه الصورة ولكن الله اختار أن يكون فجر الأحد هو اليوم الذي صنعه لكي ما يملأ الإنسان حبا وفرحا الإنسان اللي قلبه بيتملى بالمحبة بالمحبة الإلهية هو الإنسان الذي يستطيع أن يعيش فرحا هو الفرح ده بيجي منين لما قلب الإنسان يمتلئ حبا ويشعر أن يد المسيح التي على الصليب امتدت إلى قلبه وامتدت إليه وابتدت قطرات الدم الذي سالت على الصليب كانت قطرات حب من أجل كل أحد ومن أجل خطية الإنسان ومن أجل أتعاب الإنسان وجاء الله لكي ما يقوم من بين الأموات في فجر يوم الأحد وصار أكبر تعبير يقدمه المسيح لنا هو تعبير القيامة على أنه يحب الجنس البشري نحن في كل يوم نصلي في صلاة باكر في بداية كل يوم وهو تذكار للقيامة المجيدة وفي كل أسبوع نصلي يوم الأحد وهو تذكار أيضا لقيامة المسيح فجر يوم الأحد فصار يوم الأحد هو العيد الأسبوعي يمكن أن نسميه عيد المحبة الإلهية التي سكبها الله في قلوبنا يقول لنا كده في رسالة رمية محبة الله انسكبت في قلوبنا بالروح القدس في قلوبنا جميعا كمان عمل الله في القيامة يصل إلى كل شهر نحتفل يوم 29 في الشهر القبطي بتذكارات للقيامة وتذكارات للميلاد والبشارة ثم في كل عام نحتفل بعيد القيامة ويمتد احتفالنا به لمدة خمسين يوم أو سبعة أسابيع ثم يبدأ الأسبوع الثامن الذي هو تعبير عن الأبدية والحياة السماوية أنا أهنئكم أيها الأحباء وأرجو أن يكون هذا العيد عيدا مباركا وعيدا مفرحا عيدا نشعر فيه بالإيمان والرجاء والمحبة ولكن أعظمهن المحبة محبة المسيح التي سكبها من أجل كل إنسان فينا أرجو أن تكونوا جميعا بخير وأرجو أن تحيوا في كل كنيسة وفي كل إبرشية بكل خير وبكل سلام وتكون خدمتكم ومحبتكم زائعة بين كل أحد خرسوس أنستي أليسوس أنستي المسيح قام بالحقيقة قد قام And now I'm going to read for you uh, the message from His Grace Bishop Yusuf on the Feast of the Holy Resurrection. It's entitled, Renewed Life in the Holy Resurrection of the Lord Christ. Christ is risen, indeed He is risen. I wish you an abundance of joy, rejoicing daily in the glorious resurrection feast. The Holy Resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a rebirth for all humanity, a new beginning, a new future, a new life.
determined to accept the cross and death for our sake, the Lord added one prevailing commandment, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This was neither a suggestion nor an afterthought. He clearly meant it and qualified it as, a, as significant to the commandment of loving God. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Thus he informed his disciples of his deep desire and our future together. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. How can you enjoy this new place if in your heart you still refuse to love your neighbor? Who will your neighbor be in heaven? We must live today as new spiritual creatures with eyes drawn to heaven. We must be renewed in Christ's image and likeness that we may enter in the new life prepared for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. His heart delighted in this new place where we would live with him forever. We cannot enter eternity with our old habits, bearing grudges against one another, or rousing disputes with anyone. The Lord Jesus clearly told us that loving God and our neighbors are the most critical and equally great. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Four commandments are based on our relationship with God and six on our relationships with each other. Thus the church ensures that the prayer of reconciliation follows the orthodox creed in the divine liturgy of the faithful. This is faith and deed and action of which St. James spoke. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The cross became the pathway to death, but Christ's victory over death leads to life. Throughout the next holy fifty days, we remind each other that Christ is indeed risen. This phrase has a deeper meaning that we ought to keep in mind as we say these joyful words and as we respond to them. This feast cannot be enjoyed unless our hearts are free of all that Christ Jesus came to purge. This feast cannot be enjoyed unless we are recreated as new beings. Christ is risen means that we have put on the resurrected Christ. God who came to save humanity from itself, its greed, its hatred, its discord, came to sow love and gather the fruits of our love. Thus putting on Christ is putting on love. Christ is risen and defeated death. Death is Satan's sting. Discord is the evil one's tool. Unless you strive to live in the resurrection of love, you remain in darkness. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. But the darkness has blinded his eyes. The Lord Jesus Christ has called us all to his table, his holy altar, to partake of his divine mysteries, but we must approach him worthily, and that means without malice or hypocrisy in our hearts. Let us now greet each other boldly in God's love and joy by saying these words with pure hearts, Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. Through the intercessions and prayers of the Theotokos and all the angels and saints, we ask our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ to preserve the life of our honored Father and Patriarch, His Holiness Pope Tawadros II, for many years and peaceful times. God bless you, Bishop Yusuf.
Bishop of the Coptic Orthodox Diocese of the Southern United States. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Today, actually, we, we read all about the resurrection in the scriptures and we know the story of the resurrection well. And today, actually, Christ fulfilled what he said to Martha back on Lazarus Saturday. And so many things have happened since Lazarus Saturday until now. It's been like a whirlwind that maybe we don't even remember what Lazarus Saturday was about or that it was only a week ago. The, what did Christ say to her? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Though he die, yet shall he live. Christ is revealing himself to be kind of the antidote for death, that he is the resurrection. And only through believing in him, even though we have death, but we will live, we will be resurrected. And today we celebrate this resurrection, not only the resurrection of Christ, but our own resurrection. This is actually why the resurrection of Christ is so important. It's not just an event that happened 2000 years ago to, to Jesus Christ himself, and then we remember this event you know, as a historical event. It's actually something that we live today. We live it today in the sacraments, actually in the sacrament of baptism, when we ourselves are resurrected, when we die in the waters of baptism and are resurrected again, and also we look forward to the ultimate resurrection, the resurrection of the dead uh, at the last days. Why is this so important? We have taken for granted the idea that death is inevitable. We are born into a world where there is death, where there is sin, where there is pain and suffering and corruption, and all of this has just become normal and natural to us. We, we accept it as though it was something that is unavoidable, something that cannot be changed. And yet this was not the plan from the beginning. When Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, they were created in perfection. There was no concept of death. There, was no, there wasn't supposed to be death. When God created us, he created an environment for us that was perfect and good and fulfilled all of our needs. And had, there was nothing foreign in this. God did not create death. God did not create a world where death was supposed to happen, where death was supposed to exist. We were never meant to experience it. And yet when we are born today in the world, death is something that is a reality, that even as young children we begin to understand the idea that life does not last forever. And so we are longing for something else. We, our hearts, inside our hearts is this desire for a life that is free from death, where we do not want to experience the pain and the suffering or the fear of death anymore. So when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they are the ones that brought about this pain and this corruption and this suffering that we experience now. Okay? We have the power to change so many things in the world, but death is something that we cannot change. And death is something that we have in common with every other person. Maybe you think about what is it that we have in common with one another. We are so different from one another, and yet we all have the same reality that we at some point are going to end our life. We're not going to live forever. And yet, despite this fact, and despite this reality, and despite that this is something that every single one of us is going to experience at one point, we tend to forget this. We tend to forget this in our life. And maybe sometimes we want to forget. We don't want to realize this. We don't want to remember this. We don't want to think that, yes, there will be a day where I will no longer be alive in the world. We, we don't like this. We don't like to think about it for ourselves, and we don't like to think of it uh, for those that we love, because it is a frightening it's a frightening experience, it's a frightening thought. And yet the church fathers themselves, when they spoke about death, they said that this was actually a virtue. They call it the remembrance of death. The remembrance of death. That this is a virtue. That they want to always remind themselves that they have an end. 
to remind themselves that they are not going to live forever. Why is this valuable? Because when we have a limited amount of something, then we use it wisely. When I have a limited amount of money, then I'm going to budget my money. I'm going to make sure that every decision I make with my money is a wise decision. Because I know that I don't have an unlimited amount of this money. So I will decide if, if I want to buy something, I'm going to think to myself, is this worth my money? Is this something that I should buy? Or is this something I should not buy? Because if I buy it now, then I will have less money to buy something else in the future. Something that as adults, we all accept and understand very clearly that we have a limited amount of money. But when it comes to time, when it comes to our life, maybe we tend to avoid this. We don't want to think about this. We don't want to remember that we have a limited amount of time. But if I did remember that I have a limited amount of time, if I did remember that I don't have an unlimited life, then maybe the decisions that we make in our life would be different. Maybe I would start thinking in terms of what is a wise way that I can use this time because I don't have unlimited time. I have a limited amount of time. And this time, once I use it, it will never come back again. The difference between money and time is that I choose when to spend money and when not to spend it. But with time, it is out of my hands. Every day, we spend 24 hours of time. Imagine that you have a bank account and that out of that bank account is being withdrawn a certain amount of money every day, every day, every day. And you don't know how much money you have in that account, right? You don't know when that account is going to end. You don't know when you're going to go bankrupt in that account. But you know that every single day, someone is withdrawing a certain amount of money from that account. And then you come and ask you, well, make a wise decision. Make a wise decision. What are you going to buy with that money? Make a wise decision. Do you even know how to make a wise decision with that? We don't know. We don't know how much money we have. So we have to be very careful with everything that we spend, lest we not have enough money to actually survive and to live and to, to take care of our needs. Right? The same is true in the spiritual life. We, have a, we, have an, uh, we don't have an unlimited amount of time. It is limited. Not only is it limited, but we don't know how much of it we have. We don't know how much of it we have. And someone is withdrawing a fixed amount of this time every single day. And for every day that I don't use it wisely, that's one less opportunity that I have to structure my life in a way that is pleasing to God, in a way that I'm using this time that God has given me to the maximum potential that God has given. St. John Climacus, he speaks about this remembrance of death in the famous book called The Ladder of Divine Ascent. And he says, it is impossible Someone says, impossible to spend the present day devoutly unless we regard it as the last of our whole life. Remember your last end and you shall never sin. Remember your last end and you shall never sin. So why are we speaking about death? This is the resurrection feast, right? This is the day, this is the day we should be thinking about life. We should not be thinking about death. Well, this idea of death and life are very much interrelated together. Okay. By remembering our death, by remembering that our time is limited, it causes us to seek after the things actually that God has prepared for us for the path of salvation. You know, God accomplished for us salvation on the cross and he gave this to us like a gift. Like he says, here, my children, I want to give you a gift. This is the gift of salvation that I'm giving to all of you. Every single person, I'm giving you this gift of salvation. But it's up to you if you want to make use of this or not. Do you want to open this gift? Do you want to use this gift that I'm giving you? Or do you want to ignore this gift? And that even though we celebrate the resurrection and the resurrection is a wonderful feast and a wonderful thing that God has done, that for the first time, He has made it such that we do not have to fear death. 
He made it such that we can live forever in joy and peace and that we don't have to live in suffering and pain. It's a wonderful thing. And yet, do we like accept this? Do we accept this as something that, that we want for ourselves, that we want for our families, that we want for our children? If we say that we accept it, what is it that God has said we must do in order to realize it, in order to use it, in order to have it, in order to, to take advantage of it? There are things that he said that, that we must do. And these things that he said that we must do go against the grain of our own fleshly desires. Go against the grain of what it is that I naturally want. Maybe I, I want to pursue certain things in the world. And God comes and says, these things are leading you in the wrong direction. These are, these are like emphasizing the life of darkness that you started with. I want you to go the opposite way. Now, this is a difficult decision for us to make. If I am to make such a decision, then I have to have a reason to make it. I have to think to myself, well, why am I going to sacrifice something that I enjoy, something that I want, something that I like? Why am I going to sacrifice this? So why is it that I would make these decisions and these choices that are painful, that are difficult for me to make, unless I had a very strong motivation? What is my motivation? The idea of the remembrance of death reminds us in those moments when we are the most tempted to satisfy the flesh, that there is something better there is something more, there is something greater, there is something beyond just what I want in the moment. And this is why the remembrance of death is something that is advantageous. This is why it's something good for us. Not because God wants us to be morbid, not because he wants us to be sad and upset and always be afraid. No, it's actually the opposite. The remembrance of death should actually be bringing us joy because it reminds us of our purpose. Why is it that I'm here? What is it that I'm doing? God is redeeming me from, 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 from Satan, right? The, the problem with the remembrance of death and the reason why, maybe why we struggle with it is because we imagine ourselves to be in like this joyful place and a place where all I want to do is have fun and enjoy myself and enjoy my life. But we don't realize that actually we're not in that place at all. We're in a place that is, we're in, we're in such danger, right? Because we are being attacked. We're, we're in a spiritual warfare that maybe we're not even aware is happening that is actually leading us away from God. And God is saying, no, wake up. You, you are not in a safe place right now. You're not in a safe place. You're in a dangerous place. Wake up and make good choices so, so that you can be saved from this place. This is why the idea of remembrance of death is so important. And this is why, especially at the Feast of the Resurrection, we remember this. Because what is the resurrection? The resurrection is something that only benefits those people who are dead. Like that's like when, What is the word resurrection? Resurrection means those people who are dead are coming to life. Those people who are dead are coming to life. So if I don't consider myself to be dead, if I consider myself to already be alive, then when you come and say, well, let's celebrate the Feast of Resurrection, it's like, well, what's the point? I'm already alive. I already have everything. I already have everything that I could want. Everything is fine with me. Don't come and talk to me about this stuff because it's, it's pointless. It, 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 there's no value in it. But to those who are dead, to those who, who, who see themselves rightly and see what it is that, that we are from the inside, then we look to Christ, actually, he is indeed a savior. He is like the one who is coming, if we are drowning in the ocean, they're like the people that are coming to throw us the life preserver, and, and that as we feel that we are like drowning, we are so joyful and thankful for what it is that they're offering us because we feel that we are in need. But if I feel like I have no need, if I don't realize that I'm drowning, then someone might offer me this to me, and I don't even, I don't even make any effort to take it. Why would I take it if I don't feel like I'm actually in need of it? In Daniel 12, verse 2, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, 
and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Right? This is this is the promise of the resurrection. As many of those who sleep sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And 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 this you know point goes to the fear that we have. We are dust. We are dust. And God took this dust from the ground and he said, I'm going to form this dust into a person. And I'm going to give life to this person. And this person is going to have a mind. And is going to have emotions. And is going to have a name. And this, this person is going to be like in my image. And this person is going to have a, a, a will. This person is going to be able to be self-aware. And yet, all we were was dust. And so even now, as we are made in the image of God, and as we are like collections of dust that is walking around because God granted us the gift of life, the greatest thing that we fear is to go back to being dust again. Because we look at what we were, and we realize that what we are now is so, so much better than what we were, and we don't want to go back again to what we were. We don't want to be dust again. We want to continue to have life forever. Don't give me this gift of life and then say, okay, you're only going to have it for 100 years and then after that, sorry, I'm going to take it away from you. No, actually, God is offering us this forever. He's saying, I'm going to give you life, not only this temporary life that you have, but I'm going to give you this life forever. So those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And this is our hope in the resurrection, that we don't have to continue carrying within us this fear as though we are going to be uncreated again. We are joyful at the creation. We're joyful because God created us. And yet we're afraid of going back to oblivion. So God is saying what you're not going to go to oblivion. You're not going to be uncreated. You're going to continue to live forever. Not only are you going to continue to live forever, but the life that you will have in eternity will be incomprehensibly better than the life that you have now. So while we are here struggling with sorrows and pains and fears and all the things that we struggle with, God is saying this next life that you have, this resurrected life, will be a life full of abundance and joy and goodness. And it will not be affected by the corruption that you are experiencing in the world. And this is our hope in the resurrection. Our hope in the resurrection is that God is granting us this eternal life and eternal life of joy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, St. Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians and he says to them, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Who are these ignorant people? The ignorant people are those that do not believe in the resurrection. And so what is their response to this concept of death? They are what? Sorrowful. The concept of death brings sorrow to all of us. Again, if we think of our own death at some point in time, or we think about the death of our loved ones and those people whom we do not want to leave, when we think about it, it is sorrowful. There is sorrow in this. But here he's saying what? Do not be sorrowful like the ignorant people that do not believe in the resurrection, but instead be joyful because you do not have to be under the you know, the, the system anymore. You don't have to be under the system where you're afraid of death. Death has no power over you. This is why we say Christ trampled down death by his own death. That through his death on the cross, he killed the power of death completely. So the thing that maybe frightened us the most, 
the idea of going back to be the dust that we were originally created from and losing our individuality and losing our, you know, our consciousness and losing ourselves. He says, you do not have to be afraid of this because I have conquered this. I have conquered this death. And he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. We believe. We believe in the resurrection of the dead and we believe that God is going to raise us again. So God took actually death was something that initially was something that was destructive toward us, was something that was painful toward us, was something that was fearful, something that we were afraid of. And he took that very thing that was the worst possible thing and he turned that thing into the best thing. And this is the amazing thing about God, is he doesn't just create good things, because obviously God creates a lot of good things. He doesn't just create good things. He takes the worst possible things and turns those into the best things. Think about, for instance, St. Paul himself. He was the persecutor of Christians. He was the one who was you know, trying to attack the church. And God took this same man and he transformed him and changed him to be the greatest apostle that we read all of his, his, his scripture in the church every day. He took the worst and he turned him into the best. We see so many examples of this in the scriptures, throughout the history of the church and so on. So God took death, which was the most frightening, painful thing that humanity ever experienced, and he turned it into hope. He turned darkness into light. He took death and he turned it into life. So God did not abolish death, but he's now using death in a new way. He's saying now when you die, you do not have fear that you are going to be conquered. You don't have fear that you're going to be consumed. You don't have fear that you're going to disappear. You don't have fear that you're going to be living in oblivion. No. Now when you die, it is actually something, a joyful thing. You are actually being, there's something joyful that's happening, right? We look forward to the resurrection of the dead, right? This is what we say in the creed. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Meaning it is not just something that we accept as a reality. It's not just something that we say, okay, well, I have to enjoy my life as much as possible here because there's nothing else that, you know, that matters to me. No, he says what? We are going to look forward to this as something good, as something that we want to experience because it leads us to the true life. So again, as I said, what? Who is it that benefits from this? It is not those people who are alive, but it's those people who acknowledge that they are dead. Those people who, who come to God and say, I am dead in sin. I am a sinner. I, I want the mercy of God. I want you to transform me. I want you to change me. I want you to help me. I want you to lift me up from the bed of sin that I'm in and give me something greater, something better. So that's why those people who benefit from the resurrection are those who come to God in humility, are those who come to God acknowledging that we are sinners, acknowledging that we have messed up, acknowledging that the way of life that we have chosen maybe is not the right way. It is not the best way. And I'm coming and asking God, I believe in the power of the resurrection. I believe in your goodness. I believe that you have something wonderful to offer me. And I am not going to stand in pride in front of you and argue with you and defending myself and saying, no, I am just fine the way I am. Instead, I'm going to come to you and say, no, I have broken your commandments. I accept the punishment. I accept the consequence. I accept everything that you have done. But I also believe that you are a forgiver of sin. And I believe that you will cover my sin. And I will believe that you will grant me the, the resurrection of the life. In Romans 6, 11, it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is the death that we experience in our body? It's the death of sin. That we realize that in our weakness, that we are, we are dead. 
because we are we are living in sin and separation from God but what alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord meaning through the sacrifice of Christ through the what Christ did for us we have become alive we have become new creations we have now given a new hope than what we had before so in conclusion on this resurrection feast may God remind us actually of how short our life is not to make us afraid but to make us joyful and to give us a purpose and to use our life and our time that he has given us every day of our life in the best powerful way that we sincerely, when we say in the creed that we look for the resurrection of the dead, that we mean that from our hearts, that I want the resurrection, that the resurrection is something personal to me, that the resurrection is something that I enjoy, that I, that I live on a daily basis, not just a foreign kind of hypothetical, theoretical concept that I think of, Right? That's somehow way off in the future, but something that I live on a daily basis that I experience in my life. So may God grant us the joy of the resurrection, both today and through the next 50 days and through the entire year. And glory be to God forever. Amen.